aware. Uh, my parents had the privilege of having dad's siblings around for most of the last week, so we got to enjoy some of that too. And my uncle Sonny Yoder from Gladys, Virginia has consented to bring the message this morning, so I'll turn the time to him. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for the day you blessed us with. Thank you for the privilege of being here again this morning. Um, thank you especially of the young ones this morning. Thank you that you've worked out that they can be here during this time. We also ask your comfort on them during this time of grief and loss of a, a father and a grandfather. Also, pray for Sonny this morning as he brings your word that our hearts can be open and attentive and that we can be drawn closer to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Enjoying, the, <clears throat> enjoying this time of worship with you uh, very much, and especially enjoying the singing. Uh, as John was saying, we're here for, um, uh, Ricky and I are from, are from Virginia, we're here for a sibling's um, reunion, uh, Ray's family, and have enjoyed that very much. Y- y'all really do have beautiful country up here, it's, it's, uh, I've enjoyed the outdoors too. Um, I guess Ray has been a part of Ruthie's life all her life, <laughs> and uh, let's see, John has had Ruthie a part of his life all his life, and I've, I've been privileged to be in this family for 40 couple years, and um, so we've really had a good time together. I told John when he asked me to preach that you'll get a covenant fellowship message, a Sunday morning message from home, so that's what I have this morning. 2 Timothy 2, uh, the theme verse of that text is, uh, that I'm choosing as the theme for the message is, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, first, though, we're going to do a little exercise, um, and John, you want to turn there, John 2, and I'm going to ask, um, see, I'll ask John to read this scripture, John 2, 1 to 10, and maybe I'll ask Ray to, then to read the, the text for the message, 2 Timothy 2, a little bit later. So this is uh, kind of one of the kind of the theme of the message has to do with uh, doing diligent, diligent study and then presenting the word uh, just as accurately as you can. And uh, the, at home, I've been preaching through the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy, uh, where we will soon install one or maybe a couple elders in church, and so it's kind of a preparation for that. But the Apostle Paul from prison writes Timothy, who's uh, pastoring the church at Ephesus, uh, telling him how to, to be a pastor and how to lead a church and how to do church. And uh, so then very good uh, teaching for this young timid pastor, Timothy. And then all through the centuries, we have uh, 
We have went back to First and Second Timothy, Titus, uh, again and again. The, the church has to to figure out how to do church and how to be a pastor and those kind of things. And though he was especially writing to a pastor, I think there's there is teaching for every one of us that we uh, mothers teaching children, school teachers, Sunday school teachers, pastors, uh, even in, in personal conversations, we have an opportunity to prophesy, that is, speak for God uh, to others. And so, though it's written to pastors, it's these lessons from these scriptures, certainly for all of us. So, in John 2... Uh, I'm going to ask John to read John 2, 1 to 10. And uh, then I'm going to, uh, I'm just playing a role here. The, as a teacher, I'll lay out about four points out of that text and ask you to cr critique them. Is there something missing? Is there something flawed in, in uh, what this teacher says? Has he missed the main point of the text? And so as John reads this text, let's, let's all of us be thinking about that and, and looking for the main point of the text. Okay, John, if you'd read uh, John 2, 1 to 10. Uh, verse 11 yet. Oh, we don't want to miss that one. <laughs> Okay, so the teacher read the text, and now here are his points. Um, point one, Jesus was a sociable person, therefore we should be sociable, go to the, to the weddings and receptions and so on. Point number two, Jesus liked to go to weddings because he had instituted marriage. He was supporting marriage. Point number three, uh, Jesus honored and obeyed his mother, so therefore we should obey and honor our mothers. Point number four, the, the drink that Jesus made was uh, better than the earlier wine served. Uh, therefore, certainly, Jesus didn't make wine with alcoholic content. There's no way he would give them something that could make them drunk. Okay, do you have any criticism of, of the, the four 
points to the message, or is there something missing? Did the teacher uh, miss something out of that text? I welcome your uh, thoughts. It's not a trick. It's just we're just doing doing a little exercise here. Any criticism of any of the teacher's points, or did he miss something out of the text? Did he miss the main point? Question: Why did he do this? Pardon me. Why did Jesus do this? Okay, I think we'll find the answer in the main in the main point of the text. Yes, he, I believe that's right. The teacher missed the main point of the text, that Jesus showed his glory and, and uh, showing he was the Son of God. And, and uh, the disciples placed their faith in him. Any other comments about the other four points the teacher gave? was quite an outstanding miracle. <laughs> Meeting an ordinary need, yes. I think you could critique those other points a bit too. You're welcome to uh, at your leisure. Um, okay. Uh, so if, if, we're, if we do teaching, we don't want to miss the main point. <laughs> And we want to be accurate in, in whatever points we, lessons we pull out of a text. Apostle Paul writes instructions to Timothy, and in this text he's going to, he, he will say, this is now 2 Timothy 2, uh, the instruction is to entrust, the, the instructions you heard from me, entrust them to reliable and faithful men who will be competent and qualified to teach to others. Study to serve thy self approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we certainly don't want to, in whatever teaching we do, don't want to be shoddy or careless in uh, how we teach. Um, there's a need for diligent theory, study, and teaching of the Word, understanding what the Bible says, and then just teaching others what we understand. If we don't understand something, like at least I do, I just tell the folks I don't understand this verse. But the best we can to understand what the text says and then share it in our teaching. And so we don't teach our hobby horse. We don't teach our, just out of our pet peeves. Uh, we don't go down bunny trails. We don't add to. We don't take away. We we don't invent anything. We we're not we're not allowed to invent anything. Uh, 
beyond what the scripture say, says. Uh, just uh, doing diligent study and understanding the best we can and then talking about it. Okay, let's uh, have Ray read 2 Timothy 2. Obviously, I won't be able to speak to every verse, but I will uh, make commentary on some of the verses. So, Apostle Paul here is writing this letter to a young preacher, Timothy. 
Timothy was like a son to Paul. Paul was instrumental in his faith and also in ordaining him to church leadership. And it seems that Timothy was a, a, a relatively young man, uh, timid, possibly reserved, uh, maybe sickly. But he was a born-again Christian who had the call of God on his life, and he had the grace of God on his life. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple things from the earlier chapter. Paul, the Apostle Paul had written to Timothy that he should never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. He, he wrote to him that God will give you strength to suffer for the sake of the good news. Uh, God is able to guard the good news that he has entrusted to us and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Timothy would be able to guard the truth and share the truth. And Paul also wrote in chapter 1 how that uh, there were two men who had turned away from the faith and deserted him. He says, in fact, that all, all of those in Asia deserted him. I'm not quite sure who all of those were. And then he mentions one uh, Onesiphorus who was a great help to him and a great encouragement to him. And so what, a, what of a discouragement it must have been to... I'm just trying to explain what Apostle Paul was going through, what a discouragement must have been for so many to have deserted him. And here was this one man that really supported the truth and supported Paul personally, and now he's encouraging Timothy to stand strong, stand firm for the truth. So he writes uh, here in verse 1, My son, be strong, through the grace that God gives you only in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we give each other encouragement and we say, just, I, see, I hear Native American people saying this, be strong, be strong, if they're going through grieving or tough times. Well, by ourselves, we're, we're not very strong, and, um, but Jesus Christ is very strong, and his grace is very strong, strong to save, and also strong to enable us uh, in our Christian life in whatever we're facing in life. So we're not trying to live life by our own strength alone, but we live in the power of the grace of God that that comes to us only through Jesus Christ. We We don't teach Sunday school in our own strength. We don't preach in our own strength. We don't do family life in our own strength. We don't go to work and do that just in our own strength. As Christians, we can, uh, we have the power of the grace of God on our lives, which strengthens us and enables us to to live well. Verse 2, Apostle Paul says, I've taught you many truths, truths truths that have been confirmed by reliable witnesses, Uh, some of those who actually were with the Lord Jesus and uh, preserved the message. And now he he tells uh, uh, Timothy, now teach these things to other trustworthy people who will pass it on to others. And this is so very important because truth can be lost in, I I think it could be lost in one one generation. 
So we, we must not leave this passing of truth on to chance. Uh, we should be well-versed and well-taught and understand the scriptures so that we can teach others, other believers, reliable believers, who will te then teach others, who will teach others, who will teach others. And uh, as I said earlier, all of us, most of us, even you young people, uh, have opportunities to speak a word of truth, a word of the gospel to others. And our work is not done, uh, so we want to pass these truths on to new believers, young believers, new believers, and our, our work is not done until the new believers then are able to, to teach others and disciple others. So it's a work all of us, for all of us, and we, the, the church also needs preachers and teachers who are real students of the word, who are, who are reliable, and will teach the truth in the church. Equipping others so they can pass it on too. This is a great work. This is a very important work we're a part of. And so we must not grow weary and we must not neglect it. Verse 3, uh, the apostle encourages Timothy to endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Christian ministers and all of us will face opposition and criticism. It's, it's not something new. <laughs> it's a given. Good, uh, here he, he says that good soldiers don't, he uses three illustrations here, good soldiers don't get overly entangled in civilian life. They have a singular focus of pleasing the commanding officer who enlisted them. In our case, it's Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you know about John Glenn, the famous astronaut. Uh, while he was still a, a pilot in the Korean War, he was on a combat mission. And uh, his commanding officer was in another plane and he watched with horror as the, as, as the commanding officer's plane was shot down. And uh, Glenn saw the officer bail out, and so he knew he was out on a parachute and would go to ground. And so Glenn circled the spot for a long time, hoping that a rescue helicopter would come in time to save his officer. But finally, he was running low in fuel. Actually, he knew he had, didn't have enough fuel to, to, to make it back to base, so he, he went way high to 40,000 feet, and then he cruised back to the, the base and was actually out of fuel when he landed. Immediately, he got into another plane and returned to find, uh, trying to find his commanding officer, but he was unable to. Uh, the end of the story was the commanding officer ended up in prison and then was released at the end of the war. But that's just a demonstration of the, the loyalty and the commitment he had to, Glenn had to his commanding officer. And we should have that kind of a lo loyalty and commitment to our, our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. Willing, willing to endure hardship and keep spreading his gospel 
uh, even while we need to sacrifice and suffer. Uh, let's see, I'll say a word about this entanglement. This is kind of an additional word that comes out of, uh, I think this is 1 Timothy 5. Uh, this entanglement is, is for all of us. The, to avoid, avoid entanglement, uh, just to be so busy about the cares of life that we neglect ministry and neglect uh, sharing the gospel. I preached from 1 Timothy 5 a couple weeks ago, and uh, one, one challenge for ministers is that they uh, can be overburdened with things. Um, ministers of the gospel should certainly not be, should not be obsessed with becoming wealthy. Paul many times talks, of, uh, says that, you know, the false teachers did it for the money. Uh, we Christian ministers certainly should not be in it for the money. And we shouldn't entangle ourselves too, too much financially. But neither should ministers of the gospel be overburdened with earning a living. Uh, the first Timothy 5 text talks about not muzzling the ox that treads the grain and that the, the elder should be compensated well for, for his work, especially... I believe it means compensated financially, especially uh, those that do administration and teach the word. And so a pastoral work takes time, preaching takes time, the preparation takes even more time than the delivery. Uh, family life takes time. Uh, and a pastor doesn't have time to do everything. <laughs> as well as he wishes he would, could. And so you, you have this, uh, and I've felt it uh, time and again, you have, you have more than you can do. And so a congregation needs to watch out for their pastors uh, and make sure that they're not overburdened with uh, uh, earning a living where they don't have time to care for their families and don't have time to do pastoral work. A pastor also needs to take some time for refreshment. He needs time off work for refreshment. So we pastors, uh, we really do need to give up uh, living the American dream and, and, uh, and be willing to give ourselves to pastoral work and congregations need to watch out for their pastors to make sure they don't need to overwork uh, so, they don't, so they'll not neglect uh, pastoral duties and family life. And I told my, at home, my, my congregation, congregation does support me financially, partially, and I told them that they need to hold me accountable uh, to make sure that I am taking time to do pastoral work. Well, that's a word from 1 Timothy 5, a little bit out of our text, but not really because 
the teaching is that we're not to be entangled in uh, the affairs of civilian life too much. Okay, that was one illustration, like a soldier. And then verse 5 says, Be strong like a, an athlete who trains and disciplines himself, who follows the rules so that he can win the prize. I have a son, Joey, who is a, who's a cross-country runner. He runs for his high school. And I've asked him uh, questions like, um, what events do you compete in? He's a cross-country runner. How do you train? How do you prepare yourself for the races? And he said it's mostly you just run, 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 run. That's how you train. And, uh, of course, they teach him about diet. And they, they teach him about running with the correct style, a certain uh, stride, and you swing your arms a certain way, and you're, you hold your hands limped in a certain way, all these things to enhance his speed. And I asked him if he won any races, and he, he said, well, his best race, he, he placed second. There were two runners. That was his best race. <laughs> he did say that his, his time just kept improving all, all through the season, and he actually we got a note saying he finished 8th out of 40 in some kind of regional meet just the other day. I asked him, how uh, can you be disqualified? And he said, well, with cross-country, they don't watch it real closely. They're not able to monitor every turn. But he said, if you, if you cut corners, you'll, you'd be disqualified. And he said, especially in the short runs, uh, if you get out of your lane, you're, you're disqualified. There's no way you could win. Well, so like an athlete, we must run the race that God has mapped out for us, and we must run with discipline, perseverance, and following God's rules. And uh, First and Second Timothy are are, are uh, full of rules for the the pastor: diligent study, a um, lot of lot of character qualifications graciousness. In our text, there's, it mentions to be gentle and to be kind. And so those are rules we have to follow. We have to be people of integrity where, and we see those in the latter verses of this text, we have to be teachers of, uh, that have a, a life of integrity. That's the platform that we uh, need to speak from. Not, not perfection. <laughs> in fact, we need to be humble about our sins and failures, and, uh, but people of integrity, that's part of following God's rule. rules. In Joey's race, there's, there's only one winner. In this race for Jesus, everyone who completes the race receives the prize. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of inspiring examples of faith, let us strip ourselves of every weight that slows us down and let us run with endurance the race that God has set out for us. Verse 6, be strong in the grace from Jesus. Be like a patient farmer who works very hard and then waits patiently for the far harvest. We were over at the, the produce auction. Y'all have some beautiful produce in, in this area. But the farmer works hard, waits patiently for 
the harvest. The psalmist says, those who sow in tears will reap songs of joy. Those who go out with weeping carrying the precious seed will return with songs of joy carrying the sheaves, sheaves with them. Being an ambassador for Jesus is sometimes that way, suffering, hardship, uh, waiting for fruit uh, while we're sowing in the seed and caring for the soil. Uh, but there is a harvest, the harvest of souls, and what, what greater joy is there if, if, if souls are saved. I love verse 7. Uh, that says that um, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So God will help us figure out these things, how not to be too entangled, how to work hard and be patient, how to discipline and train and follow God's rules, and what a comfort it is that God will will give us understanding of how to work this out in our lives. That's a great comfort to us. Verse 8 gives us the heart of the gospel. That is Jesus Christ, a human descendant of David, Messiah, Son of God, raised from the dead. His resurrection is a guarantee of everything that Jesus did and is. This is a message central to the gospel. Don't let's be quibbling and arguing over non-essentials that pull away from the central truth of the gospel. Verses 9 and 10, Apostle Paul talks about the suffering that he's endured. He was in prison for preaching the gospel. He was endured, he was willing to endure anything that's so that the one God has chosen will be saved and experience eternal glory. And what, that's, a, that's one of the, the, the basic motivations for us as Christians, as pastors, as teachers, uh, the motivation that souls will, will be saved. And he said, though he's in prison, he knew the gospel would, would not be bound, it would yet flourish. So our, our, our prayer could be, oh Lord, motivate us. Uh, may that just be in, the fore, in our forethought of that souls would be saved and, and, and experience eternal glory. And we'd, we'd be willing to suffer anything for that to happen. Knowing that if we die with him, we will live with him in heaven. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. We need to have an eternal perspective here. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. So that's a motivation kind of from the other side to knowing that if we deny Christ, he will deny us. That should sober us and keep us on track, help keep us on track. I would, I would say that this verse of what does it mean that if we are faithless, he will remain faithful? If he did, this is verses 12, uh, 12 and 13. 
If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we're faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So if we we would turn our back on him and deny him, he would reject us in the end. But I think it also means that even in our weakness and in our wavering of faith, if we hold on to Jesus Christ in faith, that, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, he will always be there for every every difficult thing in life and see us through. Verses 14 and verses 16 and 19 talk about telling, telling uh, Timothy not to be pulled into uh, argument and quarreling over words, over minor things, fridge things, uncertain things, avoid foolish and worthless talk, he, he, he says, and especially avoid the untruth. A pastor should, uh, the, the word of God stands like a rock. <laughs> it, it's true, it's a solid foundation, it's a foundation stone. And uh, here it says the inscription is, the Lord knows his own, all, all who belong to him must turn away from evil. Uh, very often, I don't know if I'm able to say always, I don't know if I've observed that or not, but very often that false, false teaching, not only does it cause division and strife, it, it often results in ungodly living. The teaching of truth always is the other way that it leads people to holier living. And so the pastor and all of us should stand on the truth, for the truth, graciously, and uh, uh, pastors not to allow uh, discussion uh, in the church concept text uh, about untruth. Now verse 15, our theme verse. Study to show thyself approved in God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent, work hard so you can present yourself to God and achieve his approval. Be a good worker who, who does not need to be ashamed by doing shoddy and careless handling of the word. Rather, study the word thoroughly, analyze it, understand it correctly, and then teach it uh, accurately to those you hear. So that, they were, so that their faith will grow and so that they will live holy lives. I'll be repeating myself here just kind of in review. We teachers, um, we need scholars who will, and, and all of us can be somewhat of a scholar, who will examine the word carefully and deeply and then convey it to others. What it says, what it what is talking about, what it actually says in the text, and how it applies to our lives in our present day. We don't need, we must not invent anything. We don't need to be clever and charismatic. We don't have to worry too much about what people think of us and what what we say or teach. If we're teaching the truth, we shouldn't be very concerned about that. Just attempting to understand what the Bible says, 
relying on the Holy Spirit to guide our understanding then accurately as possible, teach it, share it with others. And I, like I said, I find a great freedom in that if I, I, uh, when I prepare a message that it's not about me and uh, if the Bible says it, I'll say it. <laughs> God help me to say it. Just being accurate in what you say. Be strong in the grace that only Jesus gives. Some have given up. Some have resorted to false teaching. Ungodly living that result, results in ungodly living. But we must be strong like soldiers, like athletes, like farmers. Diligent, patient, pers persevering, following God's rules, pleasing our commandor. Guarding the truth from the Bible, uh, entrusting it to other reliable teachers that will pass it on so they can teach others, and so they will teach others, and then that group will teach others as well. Always remembering the central message of the gospel, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of David, crucified, raised from the dead. Don't be discouraged. Be willing to suffer anything for the saving of souls so that they can experience eternal glory. Remain faithful to Jesus. He will be faithful to you. Don't be caught up in quibbling and argument about non-essentials. Don't allow for divisive argument to go into the church. It will only lead to ungodly living and attitudes. Here's some, here's some excerpts of verses that we have just read. Um, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed because of shoddy work, but a workman, but a workman who correctly hands, handles the word of truth. Flame into fire the gifts God has given you. God has not given you the spirit of fear, timidity, but of love and power and self-discipline. Never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, guard carefully the precious truth that has been entrusted to us. Teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will pass it on to others. Now I want to close with the last verses of this text. Uh, Apostle Paul writes about a large house where there are articles of gold and of silver, also of clay and wood. And I just think it's amazing, wonderful, that you and I could be articles, vessels of gold and silver, of people that actually do something worthwhile in God's kingdom. It's a great work. And... Uh, and then the, the last verses talk about the character and life of, of the teacher or the Christian in general. To flee youthful, evil desires, pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then it says that if, if, someone who's er, if, if there is someone in, who has erred from the truth, uh, don't argue but show kindness, must be kind, able to teach, not resentful, 
gently instruct them, this is verse 25, in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. So if, if any of us are in relationship with someone who is erring from the truth, there's a, there is a need for graciousness, kindness, uh, gently, firmly holding to the truth and, and with hope to restore them back to the truth. God bless you and your church, your, your pastors as they uh, teach, your Sunday school teachers, all of you, and all of you and, and uh, the race that God has mapped out for you to be faithful to our Lord Jesus and faithful to his word. God bless you.